Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. When you love meat, you find a way to take it with you everywhere you go, especially when it comes to getting outdoors. That's why Smithfield has so many high-quality, delicious meats that are perfect for any outdoor adventure. Whether the park you're headed to is a national park or just the one down the street, like Smithfield marinated roasted garlic and cracked black pepper fresh pork tenderloin, expertly seasoned for on-the-go flavor, or prime fresh smoked ham that'll have you building on-the-go sandwiches packed with flavor. Smithfield Extra Meaty Back Ribs bring hand-selected perfection to the backyard, and Smithfield Anytime Favorites will help you take the ham you savor to the places you love. From diced ham that'll turn any picnic into an outdoor feast, to hickory smoked boneless ham steaks that are the perfect cap to any hike. The great outdoors just got greater with Smithfield. For the love of meat. Yes, sir. Okay. Every once in a while when I hit record, it tells me we can't access your video like the second I hit record, so I never know when it shows up and when it doesn't. Yeah, it, it started out grainy, Looks but like it got we're good. clear. Yeah, we're good. Cool. Well, we're live now, man. We are do doing good. Post. I'm going to move the, move the microphone here, and I'm doing the outdoor yeah, outdoor thing here. That's what I did last week. I forgot, to, <laughs> I forgot that I live in a freaking wind tunnel. So got to block the mic. A <laughs> well, I bit. was going to, I was thinking I was going to set my stuff up outside again today. And then I realized that it's Thursday again. And that was what happened last week with the garbage truck. So I didn't want to have to mess with all of the nonsense of it, ruining all the audio on my end again. So I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to go back inside and set up. Sounds a lot better. Yeah. No, it. um, I don't know. It's the last few days, you know, I'm not really a hot weather guy. Um, just by default but you know where i was 300 mm -hmm. plus pounds for years i um Everything I, was I didn't <laughs> i didn't enjoy heat at all and like literally i was the guy that yeah. could, could rip shorts year round you know and yeah. um so anyhow now man i am i was at a baseball game well i've been at several that were in the 50s or 60s and literally dude i'm you know sweatshirt jacket pants freaking blanket you know <laughs> Um, I freeze anymore and I don't know it's, I'm sure it's where I've leaned some, but it's also like, I guess it yeah. comes with age too. Frigid <laughs> these days. So it's, you know, it's 76 right now, which previously I would have been in like at least a lower back sweat or under titty sweat, you know, when I was 300 pounds, <laughs> but, uh, it, it feels pretty damn good right now. And I'm looking at all the, the 3d targets I got here. I got eight of them. Nice. So I'm going to probably shoot my bow one, after dude. this. They had a spe they had a special on them at Sportsman's recently, and I didn't go get one when it was going on. I need to just go get one. Just well, I just tell you what I did. Targets. I I literally bought um, so I bought the big Delta deer. It was you know I got it on sale. It was like two seventy five or something like that. And then I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna buy whatever's on sale for the next few months. So I would just go in yep. there and 
they had a coyote next and then it was like a they had one of the pigs the javelinas and then i got a bear and then another yep. deer and a turkey and a ground ch- or a, a woodchuck so it's like you know i'm pretty well covered but you know for that's what i tell even people that that ask me about buying sornex stuff you know they're like man i you know do i need 10 grand 15 grand i'm like no you just need to buy a rack and every two or three yep. months you know put a couple hundred dollars back every month every two or three months now you've got five, 600 bucks and you can start buying. I mean, a lot of our accessories are sub three, $400, you know, so you can, Mm -hmm. I I guess that there's a lot of people that want to build a gym immediately or build something like my backyard here immediately. But, you know, interest come and go. Um, Maybe just start with your rack as an investment and see how much you use it before you decide to drop another five, six grand, you know? So yeah, anyhow, but I'll probably shoot later. You had some, of a day not to. You had some, uh, you had some things you wanted to lead off with. Yeah, just today. a couple simple questions that uh, that came through last time, and then uh, I was reminded of them from another podcast, and they're just simple and light. But I don't really, mm-hmm. you know, you and I are friends, but it, basically in a current context. But I don't really know a whole lot about your background, so or like your yeah. childhood. What is the yeah. first? What is the first memory that you have? Like just of anything, like my, the youngest. Of anything, the, the, the youngest you can remember being Ross. That's a good question. I, I know generally the time frame and there's like two, two or three memories that I think are right around the same time, but I have no recollection of which one was actually first of that time. Like I remember kind of being like three, four ish years old. Right. Mm -hmm. And I don't have any idea which one was actually the earliest, but the one that is the clearest in, in my mind is when my, I had to have been, I had to have been four because my sister who's two years younger than me was like walking around and stuff. She looked like she's probably, I remember probably being like two and we were in our house that we lived in at the time and we were standing in the kitchen. My mom and dad come in and they have like this big, like surprise question that they're going to ask us or whatever. And it, and, you know, in ultimately was them asking if we were wanting to move into a new house, like they were going through all this process of finding a new home. And, uh, it's the house that we moved into that my parents are actually still in today. So it was the house I, you know, literally grew up my whole life in, but I remember when they sat us down and like asked us, do you guys want your own rooms and you're like, you live in a new home and have a big yard and that kind of stuff. And I remember just being like super jacked. And yeah. like, we, like, I remember just the two of us like screaming, we're like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Can we go there right now? And the house was like being built still. So like, it wasn't even remotely ready to move in. But I remember them asking, like, we have a new house that we're moving into. Are you guys, do you guys want to move? And I remember being like super excited. And then like from that, I remember a couple of the things about moving into that house. Um, like going to see it while it was being built and like walking around when it was just all framing and, and open floor, you know, press board and OSB and that kind of stuff on the floor. Um, and then taking stuff over to it. And that was, I, I, that was 96, I think when they bought that house. And so that would have been like early 96. So I would have maybe been like late three, just turned four. My birthday's in April. So like right around the time I had just turned four. Yeah. That's uh... a, so yeah, I, think, I would say I that, that's, that's the pr- clearest memory I have of that around that age. Well, I think that's also like, that's a very common 
probably age range for people to have their first memory. Yeah. Um, that's about mine. My great grandmother. So when I was born, uh, my great, great grandmother was alive on my mom's side mm-hmm. and my great, great grandmother, oh. or I'm sorry, my great grandmother was alive on both sides. So this That's was awesome. my great grandmother on my mother's side. And, uh, she would always, she was kind of like the, the matriarch of the family. You know, she's the one I've spoken of before is just, uh, a, to me, a perfect re- representation of what religion can be for a person's life. Like it enriched her mm-hmm. life, but she didn't, she didn't crack you over the head about being religious yourself or whatever, but she was a living example and just the sweetest lady. She, she looked the same from like 35 till she died, you know, a little white, white haired <laughs> yeah. granny, uh, yeah. that kind of thing. But anyhow, we, she, her and my great grandfather, we used to go on drives, like long, long drives. And over the course of the years, I remember several times, um, just pulling into strangers houses, asking for directions back. And they're like, well, come on in, have dinner with us. You know, that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, it's the South, it's a country, but I remember being probably like you right at the turning point of three or four. And it was just me and her on this day. And we were driving through Garrett County and it's just these old S curvy roads, beautiful, uh, tree hangs over both sides of the road or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I remember sitting on the, the, uh, the armrest of the seat, no seat belt, of course. And, of course. uh, you know, she just started going tunnel, 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 tunnel. And she was just kind of making a little sound about the trees making a tunnel, you know. And it, mm-hmm. it just made me laugh so hard. Like, we were both crying in the car, you know, <laughs> laughing so hard for whatever reason. You know, I'd gotten a Happy Meal, probably had some stupid little toy. It was like when I was that little, like, I couldn't imagine life not being perfect. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, And I think that was one of those moments that sticks out is, man, life was perfect when I was four. You know, um, mm-hmm. just one of those things, mm-hmm. but I don't, I've got pictures that probably drum up a few like fabricated memories. I was memories. thinking that too. Like I could probably remember something, seeing a reference yeah, to yeah. something else, you know, like I have a foggy ish re- recollection of a time period, mm-hmm. but seeing like some, some pictures or something or like even old home movies, like I'm like, Oh, okay. I do remember a little bit more of that than I, you yeah. Know. But I, you know, I think, um, I think that's probably the first original memory that I have that if somebody were to, you know, just chronicle your life, Brandon, eh, hand to head, like thinking probably that one. That's mm-hmm. the first one I remember. All right. I do remember I, I have one more like half memory and I, and I think it probably was around that same time, but, mm-hmm. uh, well, it had, had to have been, maybe it was even earlier than that other one because my uncle, my mom's little brother graduated high school in 96 so his senior football season would have been the fall before in 95. So I would have been three, but I remember going to his, I can't remember like a specific memory of a football game, but I remember right. being at his senior season, high school football games. Cause then he went on to go uh, play college and then played semi-pro for a couple years over in Europe. Mm. And then, uh, so like football was huge in our, in our family. Cause he was kind of like the, the one that <clears throat> let it off essentially And, uh, so I remember seeing, I remember going to a lot of college games, uh, but I remember like vividly being in a, at our high school, cause he went to the same high school I I went to. So I remember being at that field, being there to see him, but not watching the game. I mean, that no little kid goes to high school football games and watches the games. Like you're always running around under the bleachers or playing like your own football game behind the bleachers in the grass kind of thing. And so I remember that 
kind of stuff. So that maybe was even a little bit before that other one, but it's not like a crystal clear, you know, this was the day or whatever kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Well, that's funny that you say that about kids and like you're at the game, uh, but like your parents are either there watching or they know somebody or something like that. So the kids just end Mm -hmm. up like wreaking havoc on whatever arena or ballpark they're at. But there's a center or there's a, there's an old gym here called Seabury center. And that was where the Bria College played basketball. And what was crazy is it had an upper track. You know, those one of those indoor wooden tracks that was above the gymnasium. Yeah. Like you, you see it yep. on all the old school gyms. You actually couldn't yep. shoot a three-pointer from the corner in the far corner because the track stuck out far enough, so far that if you even shot correctly to hit an arc, for the to make a basket you were going to hit the underhand or the overhand so it was just a it was like one of those places awesome. and we had this coach named roland weir willie and great bobby knight and he were archetypes like that that was who he was he was, he threw chairs he was intense he cussed referees <laughs> like he was that was why people in this town went to the game like not only were they good but you were going to see the, the roland weir willie show right <laughs> Well, yeah. that we would always be playing up there and doing all, you know, hiding under the bleachers and all this kind of stuff. Well, there was a coiled spiral, like stone uh, staircase that went up and down. And we're running, running, running. And I swear on my life, and I don't know if this is true or if like when you're a kid, you imagine something. <laughs> but like right. there's a kid named Alex. And I swear we were running so hard after him as for this tag game. And I think we were probably going to beat his ass, like not like hurt him, hurt him, but like we were just going to punch him, kick him, whatever. Like that would have happened if any one of us got caught. Right. I think he ran on the wall, like down that thing, you know, like a motorcycle in the, in the cage. And it's just like doing the circle of death. I swear his feet came off the damn stairs and he circled this thing. And we talked about it. Like we were like, did that really happen? Did he really? And all of us were in agreement that he, that son of a bitch was running so hard. He ran the wall. <laughs> Neo from the matrix. I'm telling I, again, I don't know if I, if I completely fabricated that or we did like when it happened, but God, it stuck. And it's like, it has haunted my memories of like trying to remember, did this actually happen? Or were we just like kids being stupid? But that's another went to school with one. a superhero. Yeah. Oh, I did go to school with a superhero. This kid, I can see his face. He was like one of those kids that was just like a drifter. You know, his parents probably come and go. This kid, yeah. I, I remember, and this is funny because my my next question is going to be, what was your first sense of freedom? I saw mm-hmm. fucking freedom when I was in third grade. So this kid, uh, Patrick something was his name, long-haired kid. This is like third grade for me would probably be like – 90 91 whatever that is somewhere in that that mm-hmm. range mm-hmm. so he's like early vision streetwear like skater kid long hair i I just remember him and the principal i turn the corner and here i am in my little bugle boy shirt and my fucking duck head pants this like jc penny's <laughs> catalog walking down the hallway you know and here's this kid just ripping the principal like f this f that ripping the principal and i'm looking and he's like you don't i'm thinking you don't talk to people that way and he like looks mm-hmm. over at us and he's like and it's about them too and i didn't know what the hell was going on but freedom fighter but so like 
we had another big guy, uh, Anthony, that Mr. Barsh was his name. He comes around. They're trying to corral this kid. He is like swinging, getting off of, like he wouldn't hit anybody. He just wanted to be let go. Yeah. So this thing gravitates outside and like the lunchroom, we were all going to lunch. So like lunch is pouring out. Kids are going everywhere. Teachers are like, what's going on? This thing escalates outside. He's like screaming at 10, 15 teachers about, about how like the education system is broken and takes off running, strips down the flag as he's running away at the flagpole. Like he's heaving this thing down, takes the flag and is running. We have a long, long field where we practice soccer in front of the school. It was just a beautiful open landscape. And this son of a bitch covered 350 yards with an American flag streaming behind him talking about how the education system was broken and here i am in third grade like i said a jc penny catalog that was the day the world changed for me that I, it wasn't my own freedom but i witnessed it like this kid so I, I was like in awe that's like that's like a that's like a, you couldn't write that better for a movie script well here's here's <laughs> you know the I mean? best little part though is i went to school with a kid named silas meredith and he looked at me and he had like that cute little kid voice. And he goes, do you think he's going to be in trouble? <laughs> it's like, <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's good, dude. That was oh, awesome. So funny. But I, I'm trying to, I've still yet to uh, see yeah, it beat. I was trying to think if I was, when you brought up that story, it made me think of other, if I was trying to, to remember something of it being myself or like witnessing it, like, like what your story was, yeah. you know what I mean? And like, I went to school with kids that maybe not wouldn't pull something off like that to that degree, but we're kind of the, the ones that just had zero, I don't know, maybe inhibitions is the word about yeah. like any social situation that they were in, you know? Yeah. And sometimes it was like, okay, there's definitely some issues here. Like this isn't, yeah. this isn't you being some sort of, a messenger for something it's you just being a jerk you know yeah. what i mean like there was a there was a little bit of there was there was some of those kids but i'm trying to remember like if i could think of something in in myself and it might be man it might even be just like because the the thing that i'm i'm coming back to is i remember uh this this summer and i can't remember if i was i was probably 10 11 nine, maybe nine, 10 ish yeah. around there. And it was like at the peak age of like going over to friends' houses yeah, and staying the night and that kind of thing, you know? Cause like when you get into middle school, it's like, yeah, you'll hang out, but like you're kind of past like the sleepover stage, like into middle school and high school stuff. But like yeah. that, you start that sleeping over with old, the other, the opposite sex. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the, uh, that summer we were like nine or 10 cause we didn't really have any jobs outside of my, my best friend and I mm. was before we had jobs, but we would have to go, uh, move hand lines in this hay field for his dad. Mm. We had to do it every single morning at 6am. And there was like 10 or 11 different hand lines that ran the length of the field that we'd have to, you know, unattach and move over one length and yep. do it all the way down reattach. So we had to do that every morning. And then we literally like the day was ours. Yeah. And so we like parents were at work and it was like this thing that summer where they really sort of trusted the both of us for the first time to kind of just like 
live on our own yeah essentially like we were you know we were uh like we had food and we had stuff and like we would be at each other's houses like we would just switch off basically every day for a summer yeah and i just remembered like doing all of the things that we would do during the day just whenever we wanted to do them like he lived in town so when we were at his house like we'd walk across the street to the park and like go play baseball just the two of us. And we had this game that I remember doing when we play wiffle ball in his yard, he had these trees in his yard that we would mark as the bases that were almost exactly set up like a, a baseball diamond. Yeah. And that was peak TBS superstation playing Braves games every single day, all summer long. Oh yeah. So the Braves, the Braves were our favorite uh, still to this day because that was the only team I ever got to see play. Yeah. You that know, was like America's we watched team, Braves dude. games. We watched Braves every single day, games every single day during those summers. Yep. And then we would go out and play one-on-one wiffle ball and be the Braves. Yep, and course. then we would m- mimic the batting stances of every single person in the lineup. And we had like, so this, keep in mind, so this was like, this would have been 2000, mm-hmm. 2001. So the, the the team that won 109 games or whatever it was, like that that. Yeah, the best Braves team to never win a World Series, which they were kind of famous for that until last year, yeah. going to however many fifteen or sixteen straight division championships or whatever. But we would do stuff like that, and then when we were at my house, we lived out a few miles out of town and more in the country, so we were like riding our little four wheelers and just doing just crazy things. And I'm thinking about it now, and was like, I I don't know that there's that level of and maybe there is with certain people, depending on the with areas that they live. But like where I live, like I'm not letting my kids when they're 10 just roam about town here in 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 Nampa, where that's a town of 100,000 people next to a city of 300,000 people, you know, like and that's something that I think is pretty unique to being in small farm country area yeah. and even more unique to maybe the time period that it was. Yeah. Like and I know this was kind of some of the stuff we were going to talk about eventually, but um, I think it was just, there was this, like you trusted the town. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so b- both sets of our parents had like, like my parents and his parents are like, yeah, go, just hang out, like stay at the house. If you leave the house, just go to the park across the street or whatever. And just like be in the general vicinity. So we know where you are. Cause there's obviously nobody had phones. So like the only time we'd see our parents was my mom home, came home for lunch just to check on us, make sure we were both still alive. Yeah. You know, and like we each had he we each had younger sisters who were the same age. So the two of them were always like we were kind of responsible for them. Yeah. 10, 11, 12 years old. They were nine, 10, 11 years old. So it was kind of like I'm in sense of freedom. I remember that summer, whichever summer that was, 10, 11 ish being like we can kind of just hang out and do what we want. Like we don't have to go to a sitter's house during the day. Like, you know, it was kind of a a pretty it was one of the best summers ever i still remember it being that because we're just like yeah do you want to go to your house tonight we'll go to your house and it was like a month six weeks straight of like we were together every single day just doing whatever we wanted yeah like it was literally like sandlot style summer stuff you know yeah that was how it was there was a so i was on a swim team dive team when i was a kid and um a lot of us would get to the pool early we'd get there at seven and we would swim yep. until eight or so. The pool opened at like ten or ten thirty. So we would get in and we would swim until eight, eight thirty, clean up, kind of help the mm-hmm. the coaches and the lifeguards. So now it's like nine, nine fifteen. Well, I would mm-hmm. literally just sit outside the pool until it opened at ten or whatever, go in, then my friends would slowly start trickling back in too, 
and we would be there until my mom got off work at like five, five thirty, like <laughs> yeah. completely, you know, I had $5 to live on that day. You know, it was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I could, exactly. if you, if you blew it on, on blow pops and Snickers bars, you were going to be hungry. <laughs> but anyway, that was a, that was a lot of the probably 10, 11 year old range for me where I started to get a lot of that. Gee, I don't know, man. It's, it's actually younger than that. Cause, um, I mean, I had a lot of freedom. My parents, my dad worked really yeah. late. Uh, my mom, especially once I was 10 years old, she had, I got twin brothers. So she had double duty there and my dad still worked a lot. So, but because there were so many kids in the neighborhood, like I said before, there was like 15, 16, 17 kids at a time. So you always had five on five basketball. You could always play like at least yep. six on six or seven on seven football kind of thing. And, yep. you know, I was, I was the youngest, but it was like, I was just a step or two younger than, than everyone else. So it was like, yeah. come on, mom, come on. you know, so yeah, finally right. let <laughs> right. you go, man, that, I don't know that it was freedom and that I was doing what I wanted, but I, it was freedom. And then I got exposed to a lot of shit. I should not have been exposed to as like a seven, eight, nine, mm. 10, 11 year old. <laughs> that mm, is a fact yeah. because that the, at the top end of that bracket, you know, there was guys 15, 16, 17. So it's like seven-year-old hanging it's out with a 17-year-old. You know, it's like, it's a big gap. hey, buddy, you want to smoke some weed? Well, not yet, <laughs> but I will look at that <laughs> playboy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was one of those deals. I mean, that's yeah. that's the way it was. And God, I watched It. I watched um, all the, like, Jason movies, all the Nightmare on Elm Street oh, shit. Dude, like, I've got a story for you about that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I, remember I, was, I was in first grade. And we were at a friend's house that was like, and this was the experience that prevented me from going back over to that friend's house until I was like in high school. Right. So I love these. Like, incidents. Yeah. And so I remember we were first grade, we were watching a movie and at the time, so I'll, t- I'll tell it for, I'll, I'm going to Tarantino this story and tell you from the end. All right. Great. And then come back to the beginning. I love it. So, so a, a couple of weeks after this incident happened, I'm in grocery store with my mom mm. and we're just getting stuff and she's checking out at the thing and I'm and I'm kind of wandering around at the checkout and there's a section of movies that are at the front that are like on the spinning thing that are stacked and you like the rental deal and I'm like looking through them or whatever and I go pick one out and I'm like mom this is the one I watched at his house the other night and her face and the cash register's face turned like pale white oh yeah and and it was the first blade movie oh shit. and uh, <laughs> I, was, I was six years old and she's yes. like uh what and i'm like yeah this is what we watched at brody's house the other night and she's like are you serious and then she's like because she'd never seen it so she's like they, they she went and watched it later yeah. and she's like uh and that first scene in that movie like the first blade when they're all in the dance club and like the blood from all of them just starts raining down from the showers of the dance club on all of them out of like the fire sprinklers. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, uh, no, that's not ever happening. again. <laughs> so it was one of those, it, like, I didn't know any better. And I don't remember really even finishing the movie or like having it have some weird effect on me at the time, but like just that, it was you know a bunch of six-year-olds and yeah. his mom was like yeah hey, you guys want to watch blade yeah and everybody's like yeah sure so my dad's stepdad um he was like he's really artsy dude I, i've talked about him on here before he had a lot of jazz records mm-hmm. and had a lot of cool shit he was yeah. a tailor well 
nevertheless, he was really, really into movies and I, I'll never, I will never forget this. So we had watched fugitive, uh, with Harrison Ford and <laughs> yeah. dude, you know, I was young. I was like, I don't know, eight, nine, ten. whenever it came out, like right as it came to HBO and he was, he was like huge into ripping shit off HBO. Cause every, he would like mm-hmm. dole them out to the family. He's like, here you go. I've got a yeah. VHS for you. So anyway, He's like, we should watch, uh, he's like, you were talking about Dracula and vampires and Castlevania and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. He goes, we should, we should watch Bram Stoker's Dracula. <laughs> so I'm sitting there watching this thing and, and God dang, dude, I'm like, when that freaking werewolf comes out and starts raping the girl in the cemetery or like going down on her in the cemetery and he sits up and he's got blood all over his face. I was like, that was probably one of the most shocked, like. If you had, yeah. if you had shown me the JFK assassination and having never seen it before, I could not have been more shocked. Like I went home and I told my parents and I was like, this werewolf was eating a girl between her legs. And, you know, like I'm sitting here just reporting oh the story. Gosh. And that was an awkward oh. few conversations with my, my, yeah, my I, dad's stepdad after that forever. He was like rat piece of shit. I, I remember the first, I remember the first R rated movie I was allowed to watch. By my, like when my parents like let me watch it was Die Hard. Oh yeah, and when but because it was literally my mom. I remember my mom putting up the Christmas tree. Hell yeah, and she was like, she's like, this is we're gonna watch. You want to watch this one? And I think I was probably around ten or eleven, and I was like, yeah, let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> so I was pumped. They let me. They let me pick. It was between that. They had three options. They're like, you can watch Die Hard. You can watch The Matrix, and oh, actually, now I can't remember the third one. But I remember picking Die Hard because it was around Christmas time. She's like, "This is a good Christmas movie." Yeah. And I'm like, "All right, let's do that one." <laughs> I used to, I used to watch Lord of the Rings, um, the oh. trilogy. Get up at like five thirty in the morning, make a good cup of coffee, sit down, start the movies at about six p.m. or six a.m. So and so the good. long versions would carry you through to a little after seven. Well, dinner was served right about seven, and presents were opened after dinner. So it was like. Lord of the Ring finale. Everybody else did their shit, and I just stayed there yep. and just watched the war for for all time, you know. But you, uh, we talk about like those early memories, mm-hmm. and I. So I had my uh, my dad's parents. Um, my dad's dad passed away. When my dad was really young, and then my grandma got remarried. So I never knew my dad's real father Mm -hmm. like my dad my dad was like six years old or eight seven years old when he passed away so the 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 grandfather that i knew was the one who you know raised my dad but my dad was the youngest of six sure and it was like a brady bunch scenario like they came in he came in with three girls my grandma had three boys and then they got married and my dad was like bobby he was the youngest yeah and so all the older ones like all remember my grandpa my dad didn't have a ton of memories anyway so uh and then I my mom's parents had gotten divorced when they were young. So, and each of them got remarried. And so I had, you know, three grandpas and three grandmas from like the separate marriage and stuff growing up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unfortunately I didn't have like a super long amount of time with any of them outside of my, my dad's mom. She passed away when I was, uh, when I was 20, I was like, a, I was thinking I was a sophomore or junior in college. Um, but all the rest of them had passed away by the time I was 16. Mm -hmm. And so like, I didn't have, you know, like I had some child, I had a lot of childhood memories with them, but nothing like, you know, even outside of 
ba- barely middle school and high school area. Right. And so, um, one of the things that was, uh, and I, I almost kind of forgot, Oh, the memory we're talking about movies. One of the things that I, I just totally remember about my mom's dad was every time he'd come into town, they lived in California and then they moved to Utah, but they'd come up and visit us every once in a while. Every time they came to town, the thing was we'd go to, we'd pick a movie and grandpa would take everybody and take us all to a movie. Mm. Every time they came into town, that was yep. like the thing. That was what he loved doing. And so uh, every year for those three years in a row that those come out, those were the movies that we went to go see were the Lord of the Rings movies. Yep. And I, I remember seeing them like on release day or the day, you know, that weekend at least or on the Sunday, cause grandpa would come up into town on that weekend and we would go, and he'd take everybody like my mom's brothers and uh, my mom, brother and younger sisters and all that stuff. And all the, all the grandkids, my sister, everybody and go to the movies. And so like, there's always, uh, every time I watch them, which is a lot, by the way, mm-hmm. like I watch those movies still probably once or twice a year, I'll sit and go through all of them yeah. again. Um, but like, that's one of those things where I always come like that's I, every time I watch them or even read the book, like I'm instantly reminded of going back and watching them all with him. And I was actually thinking about, I was actually thinking about the other day. Um, cause there was some people that I'd seen talking about, you know, having grandparents and like, I, and don't get me wrong. I, I had grandparents my whole childhood, mm-hmm. but it's one of those things where I'm really, and, and, and honestly, Molly was the same. A lot of, uh, all her grandparents passed away by the time she was in college basically as well. So like we didn't have the adult interactions with grandparents that, you know, a lot of my, like, I still have friends that have grandparents that are alive, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm, I'm 30. And it's one of those things where it's like, I, that's one of the real sad things that I can remember. And so like, I'm in this place right now where obviously I have two kids, sure. my sister, my sister has my, has one. And so like my dad is 63 and he's two years or 64, just turned 64. And he is the same age as two of my grandparents when they passed away. Sure. You know, like, so those things I'm thinking, like looking at my kids yeah, and I'm like, you're only four years old. Yeah. You know, like I, you know, and so I'm, it's, it's just a weird way that you look at it when like your own kids are in the picture and then you realize like your parents are approaching that. And like Molly's parents are a few years older than that. And they're older than most of my grandparents when they, when they passed, like there was some health issues that caused some of the, the ones in, you know, my, my grandmother had breast cancer. Another, my, my grandfather had uh, a heart attack when he was 64. Like sure. it was stuff like that, Yeah, you know? And so you think about it and you're like, my dad is the age that my grandpa was when he passed or older than my grandma was. And like, it just kind of is a weird experience. Yeah. You know I, mean, I mean, I'll be real fucking honest with you. I'd never equated it to how close my dad is to when my papa died. Uh, right now. I mean, yeah, Jesus, like that's, I'd never even thought of it in, in those, in those terms. I've thought of it yeah. more. So, um, my dad's dad and his dad both died at 73. And if I'm not mistaken, I've quoted this before and I think it's accurate. They died on the same day actually. Oh wow. Yeah. So, um, I have, a, I have a little bit of an issue that I need to probably resolve with my dad and it's probably not even an issue to him, but it is to me. Mm-hmm. Um, when my papa died, my dad, um, and I don't know how much he would be upset with me talking about any of this, but to this day, I still can't talk to my, my dad about my grandfather. He just gets too emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, he always called him daddy, you know, like just very, very 
like a admiration kind of thing for him. Hmm. My dad's dad was a, he was a Navy vet. He was, um, he was an entrepreneur, owned several restaurants and businesses and stuff and battled cancer off and on. And, you know, as a kid, all I'd ever seen him do throughout, he'd had two or three bouts and I am probably convinced at this point that he, it stems from a lot of his time in the Pacific during world war two and the Korean. Um, but nevertheless, Sure. He got cancer. He beat it. You know, he got cancer. He yeah. beat it. So my senior year of high school, um, he'd been fighting some cancer and, you know, I don't know if it was just the fact that I, it, it, cancer had been such a nonchalant thing to me in my life because everyone that I'd known and family had beaten it. Like we'd had several cases, but it had all been, you know, maybe it was more major than I thought, but it had been resolved. So, mm-hmm. Senior year, I'm at a new school, um, part of my junior year and my senior year. So it's like I'm highly invested in making, keeping friends, whatever. Plus, I played sports. And at a new school, you know, trying to find a a girlfriend or whatever. So this girl, I'd been kind of like, I wouldn't say chasing her necessarily, but we had just gotten to to talking to each other in the hallway and then had a couple classes together. So finally get up the nerve to ask this girl out. And, um, she's like, yeah, let's do something this Friday or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, that Friday, like I'm giddy after school, you know, like I'm ready to go, go home and whatever. I think we were going to go see some movie, but anyway, my dad meets me in the parking lot of the school and he's like, uh, son, I got to tell you something. And my dad is a man of very few words and I've never seen the man show emotion. Like I've never seen, I've never truly, I guess I've seen him angry about about things, but like, sure. I've never heard him complain about his job. I've never heard him complain about his back. I've never heard him like, he's just not a guy that, that emotes. So he comes up to me and my dad has those like those, uh, lens change glasses or whatever. And I can see that his eyes are red kind of peripherally around the, around the frame of the lens, but I can't see his eyes. And he's got his hands on his hips and kind of rocks himself back and his head's kind of looking to the sky and I can see his lip quivering. And man, that's, that's a hard thing. Like for me, even yeah. talking about it, like my dad's a rock and you know, here you see this person being emotional and he goes, uh, I got to tell you something, son. Um, daddy's daddy's gone. And I just remember, I think it hit me a lot. Like that was the first person I knew that really died. I mean, outside of like yeah. my great, great grandmother who was 90 something. It's like, Oh, she's supposed to go to sleep and die. You know, like that's what happens. Yeah. Yep. It kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. And I was like, well, uh, okay, well, I've got a date tonight, so I got to go. And I got in my truck and I drove around the back to the, to the basketball practice and I was sobbing like the whole time I was in the truck, like going around sobbing halfway because my grandfather just passed away halfway because I just said the dumbest thing I could have ever said to my dad when he was like vulnerable with me for the first time in his life. And then, you know, 18 year old, 17 year old angst of like having to tell this girl, you know, I can't go on a date now. Like it, it you know, it was just a stupid mm. fucking day, stupid fucking moment. But I just, I've never said to my dad how bad I felt about that reaction, mm. but it was like, I probably should because my dad is like me. He's, he remembers everything, you know? And like, yeah, I'm sure that my reaction in that moment was probably the last thing he expected and the last thing I should have done. Yeah. Um, but you just don't know. And that was the genesis for me a few years ago is actually June 1st, 2019 to really like examine my life. That was the day I had a conversation with my dad actually just 
couple of days prior, I was big. I was 345 pounds, but I'd gotten myself down to about 320. And I was telling myself like, this is good weight for me. And you know, I came in from a workout. I'm already 19 surgeries deep on my knee and I'm, I'm hobbling around. I don't walk well. My knee doesn't bend. Uh, I'm just kind of exhausted doing anything. And he goes, son, why do you train so hard to feel so bad? Mm. And I was like, well, there it is. That's the question I'd never <laughs> asked myself. You know, like that's the yeah. angle I'd never looked at this thing. And he was right. And I was like, well, what if I started training this hard to feel better? You know, what could that be? And I'm, you know, I told you I'm a very goal oriented person. And, you know, within the constructs of having the ability to feel free to indulge when I want to indulge, but also to hold the line of discipline as a standard, it was like, what can I do with my life if I just commit each day? Like each decision is, does this get me closer to better or does this get me further from better? And it just started to piece itself together um, because, you know, like I said, everyone died at 73. My dad is uh, 64 now, you know, like when you start breaking it down, that's like nine Christmases. That's like nine birthdays or nine, whatever. And, you know, life really gets small very, very quickly when you look at it that way. So I don't know. Do you have any fear of, of longevity? Like, I don't want to just live to 73 to like, or to 75 to say I live to 75. Like, I don't want to be bedridden piece of shit, you know, like unable to take care of myself like i have no desire for that and i don't know what i would do with that set of circumstances like i have been down the road of of you know suicide contemplation before i've actually been right at the point of of doing so so it's like i have the mentality to examine myself to a deep 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 level even to the point of like putting the gun in my mouth and saying, what is this solving? Like asking myself a question with a gun in my mouth. And when I couldn't answer that, like it was only solving my problems. It wasn't solving the problems that I created for other people. So I had to, I had to do better. And that's what I wonder, like, would I get back to that selfish state, you know, at 75, if I'm Mm -hmm. bedridden, if I've, you know, type two diabetes takes a leg or some shit like that, you know, like how, how, motivated will I be for life if life isn't what I want it to be? It's a good question. I have a different, I think I'm like a, it was, it's evolved. I'll say that it's a different view of longevity and age. Mm -hmm. And obviously it happens as you get older, right? Right. Like I remember thinking like the people that were old, when you're young, Mm -hmm. like the guys that, and, and I think part of it actually too, is I think people are, you know, generally healthier in a lot of ways. Oh yeah. You know, like there's a lot of things wrong about how the way people take care of themselves now compared to past generations. But at the same time, there's still ways that that has improved, like people improve people's health as they age. Yeah. You know, like I remember seeing my grandparents' friends, my grandparents and my grandparents' friends when they were in their 60s thinking they were a thousand. Yeah. And like, and and that's one thing when you're young and you think that, but then like even now when we go back and we look at pictures of them when they were in their 60s, they look like a lot of people I know now that are in their 80s. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And like my dad being 64, now I'm like, he looks like 
you know, he looks like a, a middle 40, like 45. Yeah. You know, like he, and you know, my dad has uh, type one diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, but he takes, I mean, like he's like the poster child for how to take care of yourself sure. when you have it yeah. for, you know, like he is super diligent about how he has to eat and t- you know, he has to do the insulin shots, you know, when he eats, cause it's like type one, your, his pancreas literally does not work. Yeah. Like he has to manually do the job of his pancreas. Yeah. And so, uh, like he's, he's great about taking care of himself and he, and he started exercising a handful of years back when I started coaching, it was like kind of, so I'm, I'm thinking like when, as he approaches 70 in the next handful of years or whatever, that age, what I would have thought before, like it, I, I just have a different view of it now. And I mean, you know, I'm in, in my thirties now, so 40 doesn't seem old, obviously. Yeah. And like, but that stuff did mm. it for a time. And I think part of it was because you're young and everything older than you was old. Yeah. But part of it too is, is like it, they, there was this, it put off the effect of not only like they're internally old. Yeah. Not, not like the, the, I don't even know if what I'm saying makes sense. And so like, as I'm, seeing, you know, my, my wife's parents, my parents like go into their mid sixties approaching 70. My father-in-law just turned 70 this year. And like, he's still, I mean, like he's got some arthritis and he's a little banged up, but like he moves around and he's sharp as a tack. And like, he's still got muscle cause he trained with like bodybuilders in the nineties and eighties and stuff. So like, he's yeah. still got good muscle on him. And like, like he's got, it's just a different, I have a different approach to longevity, not in the way that I'm not aware of it. Right. Or like not aware that, you know, just because they're healthy now doesn't mean, you know, things happen as you age. Yeah. It just, that's the way of it. And things could randomly happen. And it's not that I'm like in denial that those things could happen because I'm not. Yeah. But I think I'm, it's, it's less of a daily, like mortality thought that I have. Yeah. You know, because I remember like in the in the final year or so of my grandmother that passed away when I was 20, she had gone through some dementia after my grandfather passed away. And once once that happened, like it kind of took a downturn pretty quick. Yeah. You know, like dementia, dementia kind of does. Dude, that's a it nasty It starts one. and everything's it starts. And then it just in a, I mean, literally in a matter of just a few years. Yeah. Like he passed away when I was 16 and within five years she was she was gone and it, but it, it just hits so quick, yeah. you know? And so I remember those last couple of years, um, like, I'm like, you know, I, I can see that she probably doesn't have a ton of time left. Yeah. You know, like I, I could see that. And she was 74 in, you know, and so I'm, it, it's just a personal experience I think has such a impact on how we view mortality and longevity. Like, like how you had said, your experience with th- them passing away at 73 years old. Yeah. Like 73 is a, like a, a, a f- kind of a hard number in your head because of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, that was why I had had these thoughts in the last couple of years as, as it relates to my parents. Cause like my dad is older than two of my grandparents were when they passed yeah. or at the same age as two of them. And so like, like, okay, he made it, he made it past that, you know, like, and he's still working 12 hours a day, doing farming stuff five months. I mean, like he's out in the middle of a field right now, Yeah, like walking around and doing stuff. And so like, it's almost like an optimism that comes from it rather than like a, I'm seeing the end kind of a thing. You know what I mean? I'm like, he's, you know, I'm optimist. I'm, I'm I'm an optimist in that regard. Like he's, they're doing well. And and it's more of a, 
yeah, I don't, I don't know if I'm just even talking in circles around it, but I'm trying to like work it out in my head as mm-hmm. I'm saying it. Well, you know I, I mean? certainly, I'm at a weird point. I mean, you know, you'll get there. I think I didn't, I didn't feel mm, maybe a contrast of expectation, uh, or versus reality, you know, where, yeah. When I was younger, you know, you see somebody 40 years old and it's like there's even memes that are posted about it. Like they're white haired, you know, always in a business suit or something like they look like professional human beings, you know, and I'm 41 and I feel like sometimes I'm just a complete fucking degenerate. I mean, I'm sitting here in a a beanie, bright colored glasses and a tie dye shirt with (laughs) jujitsu spats on. You know what I mean? It's like (laughs) I am I am a child, apparently. Uh, forever and always but it's like am i the guy that you know when i when i go into a bar not well fuck that i don't go to kids bars so it's not really a relevant conversation but there's always some guy at the bar that's 20 years too young as far as the way he's acting and dressing like i wonder if people perceive that about me like i'm i'm pretty Mm. quiet dude pretty mellow so it's not like i'm trying to get people's attention but it's like i wonder if people just assume by the way that i dress or carry myself like He's holding on to his youth. No, I literally don't give a fuck. Like that's that's more that's more about my speed than than anything else. But. That's a that's a funny contrast because I always am assumed to be way older than I am. Well, yeah, you talk like you talk you know like you're I mean? 150 years old. Like that's what I mean. <laughs> they're like uh, I remember people asking me all the time, even like guys that in the, that we had just you know, became friends with in the last couple of years through the Sornex events, yeah. strong stuff like that. Like, Oh man, I was pegging you for like, like early mid forties. And I'm like, no nah, dude, I'm 29. <laughs> like- <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing too, is, um, I think the way that I look, it, it goes both ways. You know, like one of the things that I, I tend to do is I am hyper polite, like, Oh, like outwardly polite yep. to people yep. just because, you know, you never know people's perceptions past with somebody that looks big, mm-hmm. strong, tattooed, whatever, um, or, the, or their stereotypes, you know, that you, you never know yeah. what somebody thinks about that. So I just always try to go out of the way. If it's a, if it's a lady, I try to open the door. If it's and I'd say, hello, how's your day? If it's a guy, I try to hold the door, say, hello, how's your day? Like, I don't care who it is. I just try to make myself known as, as a nice, friendly person. It worked for me when I worked in the bars, I made friends. Yeah. I was friendly with, Everybody that that was a customer, I was just nice, nonchalant, made my life a lot easier when shit went down. Um, And that's just the way I think about it. But do you have people like misjudge you a lot? Or do you think they get a pretty good read on you? Uh, In terms of personality, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know if it's a miss, I don't know if it's a misjudgment or if it's a, like, there's just a level of, you don't know me well enough. You don't know me like that, like, son. <laughs> you don't know me like that. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not that I, it's not that I attempt to, I, I don't act differently in, in different scenarios. I like, either. I'm always, like, I'm always this. Mm-hmm person. Right. But there's, and it's just like, I mean, it's, I'm no different than anybody. There's just levels to connection. Do you think that anyone, do you think anyone truly knows you? I mean, like I'm talking, Mm -hmm. so I have a, I have a theory that like enlightenment for a human being 
is the naked truth with a partner. Um, stripped down bare, like literal naked. Um, the ability to be seen, the ability to be touched, the ability to be like understood for what you are physically and honest about what you are physically, as well as honest about what your partner is physically um, mm -hmm. and, and on and on. But then mm -hmm. there's no off limits. Like there's no, there's no off limits to the depths of the questions. Like anything is fair game. Yep. Does anybody know you to that level? Yeah, Molly does. Do you think so? Do you think, do you think mm -hmm. she knows every dark corner? Yeah. That's and, and the, the reason that I can feel confident about that is because they've been brought up yeah. like in, in conversations and stuff. I mean, I've been, I've known her. So I'm 31. I've known her for 17 years. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like we were friends for almost a decade before we were together and we've been together for 11 years. Yeah. So like, I mean, I've literally spent like 60 to 70% of my life <laughs> with her you know, in some capacity. I can see you know why there's I mean? value in knowing somebody for a while before you actually date them, you know, because you, you get a, you get a bird's yeah. eye view of who that person is through different experiences, you know? And it's like, yeah, some people, and, and that can be bad too, because I, I would venture to tell you that I'm a person, um, interpersonally, I am very, very, very protected and like it to that level, it's a different version of me. You know, it's a, if somebody mm -hmm. is in the circle of people that I care deeply for love, um, it's a very, very different version of me. It's a very real me and it's no different than what people get on, on the outside. Like I'm very real and I'm very honest and things. I just don't go to a level, you know, I heard somebody say something, one time when they were explaining friendship, it's actually Mike DeSanti. He's a, he's a guy that you need to one, have on your podcast, but just meet. Yeah. He's, he's amazing, but he works with Jay Ferrugia and dude's got mm. some exceptional philosophies on life. He's lived a very, very strange, different life. Um, lived in a teepee in his parents' backyard from the time he was 14 and would do like intense, intense, uh, sweat sessions. Like he would hold sweat lodges for like 15 year old kids. Um, but anyway, he was like, you have, you know, those people that, you know, you got a fence on your yard. Why? To keep people out. He was like, so there's a lot of people that come by your front yard. You know, they walk by, they drive by, they wave, you know, did you get your mail today yet, John or whatever? You know, you just have passive conversation. You're polite, you're friendly. He's like, then there's people you swing the gate open for. They come in the yard, you toss ball with each other's kids, you know, you share lemonade here and there or whatever. And then there's people that you invite inside the door. Hey, let's watch a football game. Hey, let's uh, let's just come inside. It's too hot out here. Let's grab let's grab a cold beer and talk. Then there's people you invite into your kitchen, to your dining room. Hey, I want to have a meal with you, you know, and I want to share deeper conversation with you. I want to I want to get to know you a little bit better. And then there's only the bedroom is reserved for you and one other person. Like when you start clearly defining your your life as a hierarchy that is that is what it has to remain like that bedroom is for one or two it is not for an open door policy because you can't yep. get into the inner circles of the ring yep. and bypass the others you know so that kind of closes mm -hmm. the door on a a one night stand mentality or any of that stuff like so the people that work their way into having dinner with you become the people that you then like that's your core group the value group and then above all that there's the one 
And that's, yep. that's a system that man, if people could adopt more of, of like, you can't jump levels, you know, you can't jump, like even our friendship, like you were peripheral mm-hmm. for a long time and we got along great, but it was just mm-hmm. some ebbs and flows before it, it became a deeper part of that concentric ring. You know, it's like, yep. it's um, just interesting how my view on people and my view on friendships have evolved basically because of a view of myself. You know, like yeah, one of the hard questions I ask myself is, will you, will you continue to accept people who do not define friendship or extend the level of friendship that you extend? Will you still tolerate that? Mm. And that's been one that has, when you get real honest about that, it's a hard question to answer, but it's also been something that I've slowly started to do and it's been nothing but beneficial, you know, just meet people at the level that you're comfortable yeah. with. Don't, don't overextend. And I think, uh, as far as Molly and I go, the reason that it was, we were friends for so long. It's a funny reason, but it's because she's two years older than me. So when I was an eighth grader, when I met her, she was a sophomore in high so school. So she raised right. be Good. any. <laughs> there was not going to be any, any dating at that point. And we actually did briefly date when I was a senior in high school and she was a sophomore in college. Damn. And that just, just timing wise didn't work. Didn't last, didn't last too long. And then, yeah. And then when she graduated college, I was a sophomore in college. And then that was when we've been together ever since. Um, but when we're talking about, I, I think I do recognize at this point and I, and I, I maybe have inadvertently or indirectly changed this about myself after getting married Mm. and having a little bit more of a view of protection in my head. Like even if it's direct or indirect, like that's always kind of, and then especially since having kids, but like in terms of becoming friends with people or meeting people, like there's always, and to use the analogy that, that you laid out, Mm -hmm. like you, I'll always have the polite and friendly Mm -hmm. interactions with the people on the sidewalk. Yeah. You know what I mean? For sure. But I'm noticing in myself in the last handful of years, very few, like in a, in a decreasing amount as it goes on, get further and further onto the property. You know what I mean? And I'm not, and, and part of that is just because now that there are, you know, essentially three, not essentially, there are three other lives in my home. Mm -hmm. Like I have to be diligent about the people that I allow around my family. Sure. You know, like it's not just, Hey, I'm, I'm friends with a buddy and we have a really good friendship and, uh, but we're 22. So I don't really know him. Well, I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Like there's just a different level of that, that I think you get as you age, Yeah. which I think most people probably do, but I'm noticing it right now just because of where I am with having young kids and being, you know, at this stage, I think you're also at a really transitional age. Um, I just think a lot of shit changes. Like you kind of lose, you know, you're, you're more intent on building a life and a family and a household than going to the club, you know, like in your twenties, which I never really did. Well, that's what I was going to say too. Like that, that that wasn't much of my existence. Even when I was that, that age, like we would do house parties and hang out and I'd go out to bars once in a while, but like that wasn't, what we, what I did. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know. I, I was never, I mean, when I was in, 
college, you know, I was an athlete first and then, mm-hmm. um, I, I got into powerlifting and bodybuilding and stuff in college. So, man, I, I was, you know, I don't, I don't want to say I didn't drink, but you know, if we were in the dorm playing NBA live or having pizzas or something, a lot of the times I would have some pizza and I'd drink some beers, but more, more often than not, probably I was eating a prepackaged meal or something that met the calories I, ne- I needed and was not drinking. Um, right. I didn't really smoke a lot of weed in through college. I mean, here and there. So I, I don't know. I was, it's a little bit different for me. Like when I got on the road, um, that's when I started like finding the appeal of, of bars and not like, I mean, I'm never going in there to meet woman. Um, it's just yeah. a lot of bullshit in and of itself, but, um, just saw friends that were doing that stuff and like the war stories and the horror stories probably for both sides, just nothing that, that ever interested me. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I had a lot of shit going on in my personal life that was just trying to sort out. So it was like, I would go to those bar, those bars to kind of disappear, you know, like I would just go in mm-hmm. there, you can put your head down, you can order some food have a beer, watch a game, whatever. So that was where kind of my culture and that came from was, that led into, you know, a little bit later in my life, I guess, than, than most people's typical venture into that. But I don't know, man, I I would have no desire to be in a bar scene or any, any kind of bullshit right now. Like I I just, it's so like, I I guess in a sense of like trying to find a partner, like there's like this, this age of people, well, not age of people. I mean like this, this, time and history yeah. and what you see and what you hear and what you gather from other people, man, it's a fucked up world. You know, I probably would have been on a similar, well, like, cause I was the, I was athlete in college as well. So like my things that I did were focused on track and football. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I was like, I was in a very similar place, but I think the reason that it didn't, I never got into it even afterwards is because I got, Molly and I got married when I was 23 years old. Yeah. So like, you know what I mean? Like it, I went straight from school to being married. Yeah. Essentially. Full grown. So yeah. Like <laughs> me, like within six months, like within a year, basically. Cause we, I graduated in May. We got engaged that December after, and we were married the next August. So like literally barely a year from the day I graduated where we were married. So it was like, it was a rapid change of, of, I never had that, like, I'm just out on my own as a single dude yeah. now, or even like, even out on my own, I'm with Molly, but I, you know, I lived with a, a, a friend as a roommate. I lived with him for barely a year. Yeah. Like I didn't have, like, you know, I was with college friends and then there was like one kind of weird in between year between that and being married yeah. where it was like, I'm engaged the whole time. So it's, you know, it was just a different transition through all that. So I, I think you're right. Like I am in a, in a probably a very specific life stage transition. Well, you're a good phase. dude. And you had like, you had somebody that fucking rocked you for 10 years, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and that's the thing. I mean, like there, I don't know. I mean, I, I hate to say that one is better than the other, but amongst my friends that I would point to is like, yeah, they're doing it right. They're, they're living a certain way. I mean, more, more often than not because of things yeah. we've talked about, my friends list looks yeah. like that. Because I've cut away a lot of people that, you know, okay, well, 
I don't, I don't even want to get into the quote cause it was, it was, it's really good, but it's kind of off putting for some people that have no yeah. spine or have never been hit in the mouth. So I won't yeah. get into it. But point being, I think that, um, I think that a lot of people really just, they're so like what you're doing is hard. You know what I mean? Like what you're doing is, it is against everything that we are being told, sold, and, you know, advertised to. Um, yeah. So it's, I, I, I definitely don't point the finger and say shame on you for people. But I think when you start to get to a point where, man, I've got friends that I know do things that I don't necessarily agree with or approve of. Well, what are they going to do to you in your time of need that you don't agree with or approve of? Or if they, they can't hold promises to themselves or other people, what are they going to do when it comes time that you need a promise held? Yeah. So just by people, by their own action and by, by what I know, um, kind of like you, they might have been on the front yard or even in the, in the living room watching TV, but now they're back outside the fence. And, and that's fine too. Like I, I do think that people should have ebb and flow. Like, you know, there's people in my life right now that are going through some hard struggles. They're at arm's length because I don't trust mm. them. Do I trust yeah. them as a person overall? I think they, I think they have the capability to be phenomenal people. Can I trust them in the set of circumstances that they're in right now? Absolutely not. So yeah, that's where I'm gaining. I, I guess I would call that like a, a relationship maturity, you know, to yeah. be able to to understand that relationships aren't static. They're not forever unless they're maintained. And sometimes maintenance means that you let people go, you know, not, that's yeah. that's at 41. That's a pretty, pretty sure that that's the way it works. Until I figure out I that, it's, agree that it's a different, I, I would, that, that, you know, I was when I'm say, 50, it's at like, 31, I will agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. You're 10 years ahead of me. So use it wisely, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Too funny, man. Well, we're right in an hour. Yeah. Anything else you want to touch on before we wrap it? Maybe. Hmm. All right. Last one real quick. What, Let's do it. what did you want to be? when you were a kid like what rock star rock star yeah i think we asked that one before i guess but, more so like what what did you see that made you want to mm. be that or like what what propelled you into that like man that's what i want to be and so if we're using that it so i mean we've talked about it before but just in general I come from a super musical family, mm -hmm. right? Like my love for all the music that I have basically started with my mom yep. riding around with her and listening to all the eighties, seventies and eighties classic rock and hair metal. And all that was cause I was my mom's generation of stuff. Like she graduated in the early eighties, okay. you know? So that was right where she was. My uncle, uh, her younger brother is 13 years younger than her and 13 years older than me. So he's kind of like a, a brotherly uncle kind of way, just because of where we are age wise. Yeah. He, his whole generation of stuff was all the grunge stuff okay. in the nineties. Yep. Like that was, so I'd have these pockets of like, when I'm with mom, I'm listening to Zeppelin and Van Halen. Yep. When I'm with Dan, I'm listening to Soundgarden and Pearl Jam. Yep. Like, and then, uh, ha and then on my dad's side, that's all the bluegrass stuff. 
like his brother and his sons are in like a family bluegrass band and have been, and he's played bluegrass music his entire life. Like probably one of the best guitar players I have ever known, uh, is my, my uncle Ron. And, uh, and so there's, there's like that pocket. So I have like all of these pockets, right? So I just kind of assumed like, well, I'm supposed to do something with music, right? Yeah. Like I wouldn't be in an environment where my entire family is musical to some degree and I am not. Right. And, and not, and so like I started, uh, I got my first drum kit when I was six and like a little mini like drum kit. I played drums the majority of my childhood, like even into like or eighth grade freshman year before I started to play guitar. Mm. And that was the one I really just kind of fell in love with because I always loved guitar sounds. Like, I mean, that goes back to, we talked about Ed and Jimmy and like all those guys that Stevie, that just, I trans transformed my brain on what I thought was possible. Yep. And so in my head, I mean, I still do this. Like I have very vivid, like you can call it imagination, but I almost think of it as like a, a vision, right? It's like very vivid in my head. I can be listening to something that I'm really into at the time. And in my head, I'm thinking of what would this feel like playing this song in front of people? Mm-hmm. And so I can like literally picture myself doing it. Yeah. Like as I'm listening to it, like I still do that. Like even though I, you know, and I've played in a handful of different, like, you know, we call them bands or whatever. Like I've only played one or two, two, maybe actually played three or four times actually in public in front on stage in front of people. But like I played with guys for years, yeah, you know? And so that thought has like been in my head since I was five years old. Like, I'd hear something and be like, man, this would be so cool to just wail on this song in front of a thousand people or in front of like 20. So like I'm always in my head, I'm like, well, yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Like I have musical people in every corner of my family. Like it just seems like that's what makes sense, right? Like that's what I'm, I'm, that's why I enjoy this so much. That's why I can play these songs and enjoy it. And it's like, to some degree, it probably still is in my head as like, yeah, I'll get there. You know what I mean? Like I know, like we've talked, I'm sure you probably talked to, uh, to Logan about it, but like Logan's deal with acting yeah. and being in movies. Like he did some stuff as extras and like, that was really what he wanted to pursue. Like, and he, and even today he's like, and you can't get Logan to leave his farm to like go to the grocery store right. because he never wants to leave. But like, he still has it in his head. He's like, oh, I'm going to go out one of these days. Like if, if the right call comes and somebody just wants me to come play Wolverine in a movie, I'll go do it. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> so, but like, there's still that idea of, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. I've encur- I'll get I've encouraged and, 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 and even if that, even if that means just like, I'll get a couple of guys together and we'll go play at a bar in downtown Nampa for 30 people. Like I'll do that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, uh, for me, you know, it was it was a dual thing. Like, GI Joe was huge. I wanted to be I wanted to be mm. like in the military. I wanted to to go that route. And um, the other was I actually just I loved sports. I wanted I loved. I mean, when I was a kid, I would watch tennis. I would watch golf. I would watch Formula One. I would watch IndyCar. I would watch NASCAR. I would watch basketball, baseball. Like I just love sports. And all the time because of where I grew up, the kids I grew up with. I mean, we, we played sports all the time and I literally believed, I mean, to probably an unrealistically unhealthy level that I could do anything that I wanted to. And like one of the things that I've said on here 
any of the things that I've truly ever put my mind to and wanted to do, I've done it like without fail. So mm-hmm. it, it leaves me in a weird place now with something like jujitsu, but it might be the perfect kind of answer to that because it does allow me to be an athlete. It does allow me to be uh, yeah. in pursuit. But the hard thing for me is I still have that world champion level mindset. You know, like I am never mm-hmm. going to be a guy that can just go there and enjoy the fact that I did a technique, you know, like I want to beat people. I want to compete with people. So I've actualized what I really thought I wanted to be, which was an athlete. Um, I wish I had done a lot better on the business side of being an athlete, you know, at times just making better decisions, um, having a higher standard for the people that I worked with and that kind of thing. But, um, Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I, I really look at my life a lot of times and, Man, it can be frustrating some days, you know, because I ended I ended my sport with an injury, and I'd always kind of envisioned taking off my my lifting shoes and kind of having that moment where you could walk off or whatever and be done with it. But um, I could have had that after the fact, but I wasn't the same lifter. You know, I didn't. I tried to come back and I competed a few times at a very high level, never really believing that I would get to the level that I was. Even though I bench pressed more, even though I deadlifted more. Um, it just took monumental effort towards individual lifts to get those numbers. And when I started trying to do it for all three, I just realized there's no way I can be the lifter that I was. So kind of had a, a less than, than publicized exit from the sport, but that's fine too, because really I got more than I ever should have out of it, you know, but yeah. it still leaves me with a, a little bit of that want to have had it go my way. You know, like to have had to have been able to write the story the way that I wanted. But I don't know, man. Um, It's one that still haunts me. I think it's I think the best days of my life have been because I was an athlete and had that mindset. And I think a lot of my dark days are because I've been, you know, I I live with an athlete's mindset, you know. So, yeah, it's a tough one, man. I get it. Want to wrap it there? I think so. I think it's a good place to stop. I mean, we can tangent off and go another two hours, but we might as well just save that for another episode. <laughs> another episode. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, sweet. All right, guys. Thank you all. Appreciate, Appreciate it. you.